the Clips Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and I'm joined once again by Blake Harris of Clips Nation to talk about Clippers Nuggets 2-1 series. That's only way it could have gone after three games, right? Right. I, I, I was watching the post game last night on TNT, and Kenny Smith was like, yeah, I, to sum it up perfectly, someone was going up 2-1, no matter how this game, and everyone's like, well, thanks for that great insight right there Kenny of the Jets so yeah someone had to go up 2-1 and uh, I'm really glad it's the Clippers because uh, if you watched the game last night you would have seen that uh, graphic that TNT was putting up every three minutes that 72.7 percent or whatever it is whoever uh, wins game three of the best one-on-one where it's tied one-on-one goes on to win the series so uh, we have a three and four chance of uh, that staying true and let's hope that uh, it's right <laughs> yeah you know I've I've never really felt like the Clippers were in danger of losing this series, even as I do believe the Nuggets outplay them for the majority of game two and game three. Um, I've never felt like the Clippers were like legitimately scared of the Nuggets or, you know, they should be considered like not favorites anymore. But I I think we have to talk about this. Like all season long, we've been saying like, you know, once the Clippers get their full roster together, they'll just look like the team that we thought they were going to be this offseason. You know, um, the roster that they put together was so deep and so, you know, talented at every position. And it was just a matter of time. Like, you know, once Kawhi completed his load management, once Paul George rehabbed from his shoulder surgeries, once everybody got together, this was going to look like a dominant team that no one else was going to be able to keep up with. And we sort of saw that in February and March, those last 11 games before the restart, like that was the team that I was expecting to come back in the bubble um, but it, it just hasn't looked that way. And I, we can't credit it, you know, to the fact that the Clippers don't have their full roster anymore because everybody is playing, honestly, like Patrick Beverly is on him and it's limitation, but it's not, it's not like he's not there, you know, uh, it's just, maybe we have to come to terms with the fact that like the Clippers were not as good as we thought they were. Like, I, I don't know. Where do you land on that? Yeah, it's weird that that stretch they had in February when it was, yeah, like the 10, 11, 12, however long it was when they were just dominant. Everyone was like, yeah, this is the team mm-hmm. we expected. This is the team we thought to see. And yeah, they've been, I guess, technically at full strength. You can make the case where it's like Pat Bev, is he still 100% after his injury? Mm-hmm. Is Montrez in shape yet? But it's like they still got all their guys. And there, there have been stretches, like I'm sure we'll get to it, but like that fourth quarter last night, the fourth quarter, they looked like that Clippers team that we had expected. I mean, literally everyone that stepped on the court contributed fantastically. But, yeah, I mean, there's uh, – the games so far, I, I, maybe it's just the bubble. Maybe it's the environment or something. Maybe, you know, they're a team where they feed off the energy in the crowd that much more. But, yeah, compared to what we saw, maybe maybe just this is how they are, and they were just exceeding expectations drastically in February because literally everything was going right. Mm-hmm. So – it is kind of tough to base it off that because they were so good. But, yeah, I mean, there, there have been spurts where it's just things haven't looked good, things haven't looked right. Uh, I'll go back to, again, that fourth quarter where I think that overall was the best, especially like those final six, seven minutes, overall offensively and defensively, the best, I think, stretch we've seen from the Clippers maybe in the entire bubble because it was, it was fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, maybe it's not fair to the Clippers to expect them to look like they did five months ago when yeah. so much time has passed and – they really didn't have any time to put their team together in Orlando, right? Like Montrezl Harrell didn't play his first game until the playoffs and Lou Williams was in that extended quarantine and Patrick Beverly has been hurt. And like, technically everybody's there, but you can't just put all the players on the court and expect them to know how to play with one another. And I think we've seen that manifest itself most clearly on the defensive end where 
this there were like three possessions where the Nuggets scored on dead balls, uh, just like running past the Clippers in transition. And well, not technically transition because again, dead balls, but like the Clippers had no idea who they were supposed to be guarding. Like when the Nuggets came in after substitutions and that's the kind of thing you wouldn't expect to happen like in the second round of the playoffs, right? Like why are they still making these simple mistakes? Uh, Maybe they just never had enough time to come together. I just, I, I have a hard time accepting that line of thought because again, we had this like 10, 11 game sample where they looked so good. And I just refused to believe that they forgot all of that continuity. Even on one or two of those, uh, especially the one I remember is when they inbounded it. And then it was after a Kawhi turnover. Right. And even Kawhi just kind of like, I just wasn't paying attention, kind of forgot. He just got blown by. So it's like the fact that it's happening with Kawhi on the court, it's definitely concerning, but it is like nothing to do with this team, but this is something that's just like the most typical Clippers thing you can imagine. (laughs) And then especially yesterday with like what five or six seconds left in the second half, and Jokic just goes full quarterback and just heaves it. And like that, that shouldn't happen, especially again in the second round. Um, luckily for the Clippers, at least those plays didn't come back to haunt them mm-hmm. at all. Even that one in, in the fourth quarter we saw when I can't remember how much time was left. I think it was under five minutes when I forget who shot it. They like airballed it. And Jamal Murray just like was right into the basket. There were like three Clippers around and they were kind of just, I don't know, zoning out or doing something. So we've seen, that happened a lot this series and going back to the last series where the Clippers just have like mental lapses where I don't know what's going on on the court. Who knows? But especially at this point, those, those can't happen. And like I said, luckily for them, none of those last night, because I think you said there was three at least where they just zoned out, weren't paying attention. And the Nuggets did like a full on Phoenix Suns from the D'Antoni era where they scored like in the first four seconds of the shot clock and just embarrassed the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of the credit obviously goes to Jokic, who has this ability to throw those water polo passes, right, where he just rebounds the ball and throws it in one motion. And that's a skill that really nobody else in the league has, not to the level of Jokic. So maybe that's the kind of thing that we're not going to have to worry about in subsequent rounds, you know, knock on wood, if the Clippers advance to face other teams, because it's it's a very unique skill, right? Like, this is the thing that Jokic does and nobody else really can, and Sure, I'm not wholly convinced that the Clippers' transition defense is where it needs to be, but it also is good enough to survive against most players who don't throw waterfall passes. Right. So yeah. I mean, it, he's he's a he's a, he's a one of a kind player. So again, you, you you don't want to live with it, but considering no one else is going to be doing that, you just got to tip your hat off. I mean, it wasn't incredible. Like I mean, I, I don't know how many other players in the last 10, 15 years have pulled that off. I'm sure it's been very few, but mm-hmm. it was it was impressive. Uh, it'd be more impressive if the Clippers were up 15 when it happened, right. you know, like that kind. So, but I mean, yeah, just hopefully they can learn from it. Hopefully it's something Doc can say, okay, don't allow this to happen again. And uh, we don't have to see those anymore. Right. So, I mean, I, I feel like I, I do this all the time where I zone in on the bad things and I yeah. make this super dour and whatever, but honestly, like the Clippers, they weren't as bad as like, you know, the, the narratives that have popped up today seem to suggest like, right. They, defended the Nuggets well in stretches, right? They knew exactly when the moment was getting away from them and they turned on, you know, their their defense right when they needed to. There was that stretch at the end of the second quarter when they were down by 12 and they immediately like ripped off this 12-2 run to get back into the game and make it only two points at halftime. And again, in that fourth quarter, they fell down by seven, took a timeout, immediately go on an eight-nothing run and like they've resumed control of the game. So this is 
there's definitely like elements of this team that where they know like, okay, we can't mess around this much, right? Like we can't dig ourselves too right. big of a hole. Uh, and that was at least encouraging to see. And the thing that I loved about those runs is it was all like different guys sort of leading them, right? Like you had this one stretch where Kawhi scores six points in a row and, you know, reminds everybody that he's unguardable. And then you have these stretches where Paul George is single-handedly carrying the offense. And then you have these other stretches where like Lou Williams is like, oh yeah, I'm still Lou Williams three times six man of the year. Like nobody on your team can stop me. Uh, So I thought it was actually a really fun game overall, even if it might've been maddening in stretches, but I, I liked what the Clippers were able to do offensively, especially compared to what they had done or not done in game two. And those, the singular stretches, you know, where they just turned on their pressure reminded me of like, oh yeah, this is like the team that I'm looking to see. And the more that they can do that, you know, then there's hope that it can become a more consistent thing moving forward. It, it's just weird how you see, you know, that run to end the first half where, yeah, they were down 12 and then they just cut it to like within two, within a few minutes and how good they were just offensively and defensively. And then again, that stretch in the fourth quarter where they allowed, I think only 19 nuggets points, but over the final, like six, seven minutes, I think the nuggets literally scored like six, seven points. And you see that and you just think, why can't they do that? I mean, not for, you don't have to do a 48 minutes. I don't expect yeah. like full, like, but you see that and you're thinking, why can't the Clippers do this for, you know, 36 to 40 minutes a game where they just lock everyone down. I mean, cause again, like those final five minutes, that was what you expected from the Clippers coming into the season when they were talking about, you know, how defensively, how good of a team they were going to be. And it looked the part. It's just, you know, in that first quarter, again, they allowed the Nuggets to drop 30-plus points. I mean, the last two games, they've allowed the Nuggets to score, like, nearly 80 points just in the first quarter alone. So it's like, where's why, why don't you have that mindset, you know? I, I get it's the first quarter, but why, why can't they, you know, turn it on and, and do that? So who knows? But, I mean, it was a fun game. It's it was just such a weird game because throughout the entire time, it's just like the Nuggets were constantly kind of in the lead and the Clippers would have a little run. And then occasionally the Clippers would take like a one point lead and then the Nuggets would be back to, you know, leading by six or seven. It just seemed like overall the Clippers were not playing a good game, but you look at the box score and it's like, they shot so much better than the Nuggets. Uh, I mean, it seemed like early on, you're, you're, they were like constantly in the bonus and you're thinking, why aren't they, you know, getting to the free throw line. And then in the fourth quarter, it seemed like every other play they're drawing a foul, getting to the free throw line. And again, it just, it's a game that the Clippers, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, the Nuggets lost that game, blah, blah, blah. No, the Clippers, they won that game. They deserve to win the game. They overall played better, but it just seemed maybe just because they were trailing for like three fourths of it. It just, it, it was a weird game where it was one of those where it could have gone either way. And the Clippers, they pulled out at the end when it, you know, really mattered, but Again, it, it was fun. It's Of course, it's more fun considering they won, but it was just – it was a weird game because aside from those final three minutes, it just never felt like the Clippers were necessarily the better team. A lot was going wrong. I mean, it seemed like the Clippers were missing wide-open three after wide-open three. They could not stop Jokic. They, they could not stop him. I mean, he was – you know, nearly had a triple-double, and it, it just seemed like, you know – no matter what the nuggets were just going to have that upper hand. And again, in, in the final few minutes, the Clippers did what we expect them to do. Everyone was contributing. I mean, Lou will was, you know, knocking down corner threes, getting to the lane Montrez, who at this point now on Twitter is like the second he checks into the game, everyone is worried, yeah, but I mean, he, he looked good because I think, you know, without Zubak was looking doc even came out and said today, it had he not fouled out, he would have kept him in the entire game. So it looks like Trez shouldn't, you know, wouldn't have even been out there, but he looked good in those final few minutes. You know, he was drawing contact, making, you know, 
timely, costly free throws. And, you know, overall, the, the better teams when, it's matter, when it matters most in those final three to four minutes usually will come out on top, and the Clippers did it yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more there. So let's uh, take a quick break, and then we'll talk about what we can look forward to going into game four. All right. So I actually, before we get to the game four thing, I just want to touch on that Trez thing real quick because uh, we, we've been giving Doc Rivers a lot of flack for the, you know, the Reggie Lou Trez lineups that just are sieves defensively and, you know, putting in Trez, putting in Trez like in positions where he just shouldn't be expected to succeed. But I thought that this was actually a pretty well coached game by Doc. Um, you know, Kawhi played 42 minutes. Uh, Paul George played 40 minutes like he clearly understood the seriousness of this moment and did not mess around and play those lineups that have just been getting killed you know yeah, for the only, course of the postseason only four midgets four minutes for Reggie Jackson right like I was gonna say at the start of yeah. the fourth quarter he put in Patrick Beverly where Reggie Jackson would normally be playing and that yeah. was huge because Beverly immediately causes two steals which lead to two runouts that's four quick points yeah. um it's the kind of thing where I actually really like to see that going forward. I mean, I, I can't remember if I talked about this with you or somebody else where uh, I worry about losing Shamit when you move him to the bench. And I kind of like the idea of playing ben Beverly with those bench units just because he adds that necessary defensive presence yeah. that they're lacking. And obviously I don't think you should be benching Beverly, but like playing him that short shift at the beginning so that he can come back with the second units, I think is really working. And whether that's just because he, they have to do it because of his minutes limit, I think it actually works out really well. Um, just because, you know, you need Pat next to Lou. I think they were a really nice compliment for one another. Um, and then Trez at the end of the game, like everyone was like groaning and like, oh my God, this should be Jermichael Screen's minutes or Marcus Morris's minutes. And no, Trez had the energy. And uh, Patrick Beverly made a comparison between Nikola Jokic and Doncic, which uh, yes. has, you know, been making the rounds. Uh, one thing I will say that- He's not wrong also. I'll, I'll just say- That reminds like, me a lot about the two wrong. of them is that they tend to lose energy as the game goes on. Yeah. And Nikola Jokic was great for the first three quarters and then just didn't seem to have it for the final period. And Montrez Harrell is never lacking for energy. So that was actually a really great decision to put Harrell in against Jokic and just make him work because he didn't have like the legs at the end of the game to go up against Trez. And that was a really great, really great decision. Uh, I just want to say first thing I saw someone posted it on Twitter a few hours ago and they compiled all of Jokic last night like anytime he was touched how he would just start flailing and I, I just thought that was fantastic so I mean again Patrick Beverly wasn't wrong but yeah I mean he was because uh, I, I don't have like what his quarter by quarter stats were mm -hmm. but it just seemed like in the fourth quarter he was essentially non-existent mm -hmm. I know he hit like a, a um, like a layup like in the final minute and a half that was kind of meaningless because the Clippers were already up by like six or something like that right but, yeah, it just seemed like, I mean, he was just irrelevant. Well, I mean, pretty much everyone from the Nuggets was in the fourth quarter considering they only scored 19 points. Mm -hmm. And again, like seven or eight over the final six, seven minutes. But yeah, I mean, uh, that, that one stretch he had in the third quarter where I think he made like three three-pointers within like a few minutes and he was just, you know, drawing fouls. And it just seemed like the Clippers had no answer for him. I mean, he was just dominating. But you're right, I... I don't think it's – I will give Trez credit just because I think Trez did have a lot of energy coming into that point. I mean, let's see what he played – only 21 minutes yesterday. So, at that point when he came in, he probably had 17, something like that. Exactly. Whereas Jokic, yeah, Jokic was probably – I mean, 
from the opening tip-off, he looks like he's already gassed. He, that's just how he is. So maybe by then he was. But, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that he's been essentially like Denver's offense this entire series, they're not getting anything from Murray. Um, Porter, I mean, he, he, was, oh, he was pretty good yesterday, but a lot of his buckets were on dunks or like mm-hmm. put-back dunks. So, I mean, he didn't really have that much of an impact shooting-wise. I mean, we, I think we talked about that uh, before the series, maybe after game one, where like Porter, either his stroke looks fantastic and he, he looks, you know, like he's going to score 30 points. But when he's off and he's just hogging the ball and hoisting shots, it is not a pleasant sight. And I think that's, we talked about it as well, the benefit of having Patrick Beverly in with that second unit. We saw when he got the steal on Porter, having Patrick Beverly guard Porter is, I will take that 10 out of 10 times. But yeah, I mean, it was yeah, overall, I just, I, I will admit I was, you know, hesitant when Trez came in in those final few minutes. I, I did let, let out a sigh, you know, like, oh, no, here it comes. But he really impressed me. I think he won over a lot of fans that were kind of starting to give him some grief. And, again, I mean, this is a guy where, you know, he didn't have any warm-up. This is essentially, you know, what, the eighth, ninth game from him mm-hmm. um, in five months. So in a, in a regular season, you know, the first 10 games, it's always kind of slow for teams depending on how players, you know, react to it. And again, I'm, I'm not going to give him a full pass, but hopefully for Trez, this was like, kind of like coming out party where we can see this from moving forward. Cause this was by far his, his best showing, I think of the playoffs. I'm not going to count that one when the Clippers, you know, beat Dallas by like 50 and he yeah. was shooting threes and putting up, I, I think this was Trez's best performance of the playoffs so far. Right. And I do think that those bench minutes, you know, with him and Lou are, are sustainable going forward because Lou is, yeah. is going to get his, like no one on the Nuggets knows how to guard him. I understand that he only had like, what, uh, he had 10 points yesterday. But they were, they were um, clutch. They I mean, were clutch. And then, clutch you know, baskets. he has his, his three assists. He's got his two steals, which, you know, coming in on those Jokic traps in the post, those were clutch. Um, Lou was pretty good defensively yesterday. <laughs> I will say that, like, he was not – awful like it's not awful i will like not awful yeah that's that's uh, the best uh uh compliment you can get not i actually thought shamit looked really good in his minutes in the second quarter uh he just uh i feel like a lot of times the clippers like settle for jump shots because they're all such good jump shooters and shamit you'd think would be the primary culprit of this because he's arguably the best shooter on the team you know except for paul george but he's the guy who's always driving into the teeth of defense, like trying to create something. Right. And I love that he brings a little extra movement when he comes into the game. That was really nice to see out of him yesterday too. Uh, the one thing I am interested going forward is because, uh, or the, the Clippers did a really good job of defending Jokic in game one. And I'm starting to think that was just because the Nuggets were not ready for game one after their seven game series against Utah. Yeah. Uh, I still think Zubac is a really good matchup for him. You know, we saw down the stretch in the fourth quarter, Zubac was just, standing him up on all of those posts up. He had nowhere to go. Uh, even in the second quarter when Jokic was like clearly trying to draw that third foul on Zubac, he just couldn't do it because Zubac was defending him really cleanly. Uh, I I think that's, you know, even though Jokic is getting his like 32 points, like you kind of have to be okay with that happening because the Murray defense is going so well. Um, He's been – yeah, Murray's been a essentially a non-factor to these. Uh, th- well, factor for the Clippers offensively. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, some yeah. of those shots, like I, I think he just gacked some wide open threes, and I, I don't expect that to continue. But Paul George was in his face all the time, and like when he was, you know, coming off of screens, like Paul George was, you know, getting through and fighting around and providing that back pressure on Murray's like little floaters, which I don't, I don't remember seeing any of those go in. 
he he wasn't in his jumpers every time he drove into the lane like he was just getting crowded by this Clippers trees which obviously is best exemplified by Kawhi's block at the end of the game <laughs> which was just a singular moment that <laughs> I think we should take a second to talk about because how do you block a shot with one finger <laughs> Anyone else, you'd say it's impossible, but for Kawhi, somehow, I mean, like, his, I mean, his fingers are probably, like, nearly the size of my hand, so it's not surprising, but when I saw that in slow motion, I was, I was like, I I mean, I've never seen that. I don't think I've ever seen a player block a shot with their middle finger, and again, it's the fact that it's Kawhi. How does your finger not shatter into, like, a million pieces, sustain that kind of impact? I, yeah. don't, I don't get it, but I why? <laughs> you, you said something earlier about how, like, this was Trez's best game, you know, over the postseason. I honestly think that this was Paul George's most important game as a Clipper because yeah. uh, he had to be the lead dog today or, you know, in game three because the rest of the offense was slow to get going. And he took that mantle and he was the best guy on offense and he was arguably the best guy on defense only because Zubac didn't get to play that many minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know – much of the series is going to come down to which of the two stars play better. And in game two, you know, Kawhi wasn't good enough. And so the Nuggets won because Jokic and Murray had better games. And in this game, yeah. Murray wasn't good enough. So the Clippers won. Uh, but Paul George is as responsible for that as anybody. Like his defense, this is, this is why I thought the Clippers were going to be so good just coming into the season because Paul George is an all-world defender. And I don't know that we've seen that as much as I would have liked, but we got it in game three. And it was – he was just awesome. Yeah. The funny thing, I, I forget when it was when he was doing one of his, you know, like pregame availabilities over the last few weeks. And he's like, yeah, the, the funny thing is that everyone forgets is like, I pride myself on being a good defender and doing everything else. Yeah, I'm a good scorer. But for me, that's like not important where mm-hmm. yeah, like Kawhi people forget like, or Paul George, the people forget like this guy finished, you know, third MVP voting. What was it last year? Yeah. And he's always been like, you know, a really good defender. I don't, I don't know how many like all defensive teams he has or anything like that, but, but that's the thing about Paul George. He's always been one of the best two-way players. And I feel like maybe because, you know, you, you lose it with Kawhi and just because Paul George hasn't really been fully healthy that much this year. But well, I mean, yeah, you're going to say, yeah, Paul George is great. He scored, you know, 30 points, only missed six shots yesterday. But like you said, his defense all game was fantastic i'd have to look up you know like what the his like actual numbers were when he was guarding murray how murray shot or anything like that mm-hmm. but he was he was affecting him like there's no coincidence that murray had an awful game i don't think he even i don't think i don't think he scored in the first half at all i think his first bucket maybe came in the second half it was just paul george yeah offensively fantastic defensively fantastic and i think you hit her perfectly that this was his best you know overall game for the clippers because he they needed all those points that he was getting. I mean, it seemed like every bucket he was getting, the Clippers were kind of coming back, little rally, little run. And, you know, he was hitting a three when they were down by seven with, you know, six, seven minutes left. And overall, it was just he did everything right last night. He did everything right. Yeah, another thing that I really liked um, what the Clippers did towards the end of the game is obviously Jokic got his points for the first three quarters. He only ended up with four in the fourth quarter. Um, but the Clippers basically decided, like, we are not going to let Jokic and Murray beat us down the yeah. stretch. And, you know, that results in a lot of Jeremy Grant jump shots, which I'm fine with a lot as a defender. (laughs) These are jump shots that Nuggets can take. Um, That resulted in a lot of Michael Porter wild decision-making, which, like that guy, I I saw somebody tweet, like, I would just love to have like an inside track into what Michael Malone is thinking, you know, anytime Michael Porter brings the ball up the court, because 
it goes in a number of directions. Like you get that dunk on Montrezl and then you get this like fast break where he just has a teammate next to him and instead chooses to take on three Clipper defenders. Oh yeah. But there's like the corner <laughs> three or something yeah. where he just like hoisted it up and, oh, man. and like wasn't even close. So yeah, I was... thought that was a really good strategy by the Clippers to just, you know, contain the two stars down the stretch and just force someone else to beat them because, you know, maybe Gary Harris will hit those three threes like he did down the stretch of game two, but right. I think you're better off banking on Harris and Grant to make those shots than, you know, covering them and letting Murray and Jokic have more room to work. So I liked that adjustment. Yeah. I, I did a tweet yesterday from the Clips Nation account where I was like, every time Michael Porter hits a shot, it just reminds me of the Jerome Robinson fan. <laughs> but then I, I didn't tweet this, but then I still was like, okay, but then I see some of these spurts he has on offense and defense where I'm like, okay, maybe it's not an awful thing that it did happen because <laughs> again there are times where he looks like a great score where he can be a great score in the nba but then there are times where you just think wow i would not want this guy playing on the clippers right now like it's it's rough at times yeah i mean we have to acknowledge the fact that he's a rookie playing minutes like in the second round of the playoffs and True. even though like this was his first year he barely got minutes during the regular season so yeah i, feel I was like gonna there's... say i mean i, he, I don't how he how many games did he play in the regular season? I don't think it was that much. I thought he was supposed to be out the whole season. Yeah, I mean, we kind of have these inflated expectations of him because, you know, he made, like, the all seeding games team, right? Uh, but he only played, like, what, 40-some games during the – I guess that's actually a pretty big stretch before the hiatus. So it's probably yeah. just a matter of limited minutes. But True. Um, Michael Porter, man, that, that one corner three, which is like Grant was available for a time. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Is, like, thanks, these thanks, are really Michael. bad ideas. <laughs> I I'm just don't tolerate mistakes like that for many of their guys. <laughs> they yeah. just, they don't do it. That's why Reggie Jackson did play in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, let's look ahead to game four a little bit. Um, I would expect uh, Murray's shooting to normalize a little bit because he yeah. missed, again, some open shots. Uh, I don't think the Clippers are really going to change their defense on Jokic. Like they keep dropping, they keep allowing him to take these open jump shots. He was only a 31% three point shooter during the regular season. So maybe they're banking on the fact that like, this is just a hot stretch and these are still the right, you know, defensive moves to make based on his history as a shooter. Yeah. Uh, I don't love that, but like, I also don't think that you should compromise your entire defense with Zubac just to, you know, close out on a 31% three point shooter. So yeah, I'm okay I mean, with that going he- forward. I, yeah, I'll, I'll live with it. It's just the fact that he's, of course, heating up at the right time. Yeah. But, I mean, like you said, 31%. You'll you'll live with that as opposed to him, you know, getting in the paint. And especially if there's, like, a mitt. I, I saw this on Twitter as well where the, someone took a screenshot where he had the ball, like, 10 feet from the hoop. And I think he had, like, Lou Will on him. And I'm like, okay, no. Like, I'll take a, <laughs> I'll take a three-point shot as opposed to that happening ever again. Yeah. Um, and then I, I really liked uh, just, you know, the Clippers' defense down the stretch altogether. Yeah. Uh, we, we went over that fourth quarter run again, but, like, it's it's strange to say again because I, I do feel like Denver outplayed the Clippers for the majority of the last two games. I never felt like these games were in doubt for the Clippers. Like, this game three didn't – there was never a point where I was like, oh, that was, like, a backbreaker. Like, every time, you know, Denver would hit a three, Paul George would come back and hit a three or yeah. – you know, they'd get to the line or Kawhi would hit one of those like nice little baseline jumpers. Uh, I'm, I'm eagerly waiting for Kawhi Leonard to get his three point shooting back. Cause that has to be coming. <laughs> yeah. He missed <laughs> has a to be coming few. at some point. He missed he a few. One of six three. yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but okay. Let's just think about this. Uh, game four predictions. What do you think is going to happen tomorrow when the Clippers play the Knights? 
It's just going to be interesting because, I mean, aside from game one, the Nuggets have they, – they've been in it. Like, it's, it's been a competitive series. I expect the same thing. I'm expecting, hopefully, the Clippers to, you know, lock things down in the first quarter and not allow 30-plus points. You know, it was, I think, 44 the other night. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was it yesterday? Uh, yesterday wasn't as points. bad. It was only 32, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a good day. They only allowed 32 <laughs> in the first quarter. So, I'm, I'm expecting the Clippers to come out, lock things down. Um, and I, I just think, you know, and I, I said this when I, I did the article the other day, it's like game two, the Nuggets were the better team all game. But if you take that first quarter out, you know, the Clippers did outscore them by 10 over the final three quarters. Kawhi had his worst playoff game since, you know, like 2015, 2014, mm-hmm. and the Clippers still had their chances. They just couldn't capitalize. So I, I will give the Nuggets credit for that one because they were able to hold off and, you know, hold away. But the Clippers, again, a few threes go down. Kawhi just scores 20 points. We're looking at a potential sweep, you know, coming into tomorrow. But again, if you're the Nuggets, you could be looking at it like we could be up in this series 2-1, looking to go up 3-1. So my prediction is the Clippers are going to play better defense throughout the game tomorrow. I think Paul George is going to do Paul George things. I think Kawhi, you know, hopefully he can find his three-point game again. And I, I think, you know, the Clippers are going to plot the win. That's, I mean, I feel like every, I don't think there's been a podcast we've done where I said, I don't think the Clippers win this game. You know, <laughs> I, I, th- I think they're going to win every game, but I, you know, it's, they have, they have showed that they are the better team at spurts. And again, I, I'm just hoping Murray, he's, he's due, like he's due for one of these big showings and maybe it's going to be tomorrow, but we'll see. And I, but I do think, especially for Trez, I think what happened last night was huge for his confidence moving forward. And Lou, I mean, we saw Lou, you know, hit that three um, with six or seven minutes left, like when the Clippers were going on that quick 8-0 run. And then he had that, you know, layup to put him up six with two minutes to go. That was huge for him. So I think those two guys, I think we're going to see big games from them. And hopefully we can get someone else to have a huge game, whether it's like a Jermichael Green, whether it's a Shamit. If they can get 10, 12 points, some meaningful minutes out of them, I think that's going to be huge. So I will predict that the uh, Clippers win and go up 3-1. to one. Yeah, I, I, I can't see myself picking against the Clippers either, especially since at the start of the series, I took Clippers in five. So they kind of have to, to keep my prediction yeah, alive. <laughs> um, I will say the only thing that gives me pause about the Clippers winning tomorrow is if Jermichael Green is not available to play. Now, yeah, I haven't that, that seen... whole thing was so weird. How like, I, I personally don't even remember what happened. I just remember checking my phone and seeing the thing saying like, he's hurt and he's like in the locker room. And I Maybe, maybe it was like when I went to the kitchen or something and I missed it, but I, I don't remember him getting hurt. Like at yeah, he all. got a, he got kicked in the leg a little bit. Um, okay. And he was gimpy noticeably on the next few possessions. They took him out. Um, when Zubac fouled out, like the theory was you'd bring green back in because they said he was available to return to play, yeah. but he didn't. And I, I think that was because they were worried about bringing green back in because again, he looked like he was limping, you know, after that little incident, and that's the only thing that concerns me about the Clippers is because I feel like they finally settled on this nine-man rotation where there aren't really any gaps, and Green has been filling yeah. in like really good roles both at the four and the five. But if he's not available, uh, then that's my only concern because he again he might be like the ninth most important guy on the Clippers, but like it's such a they, they need tight him. <laughs> little ecosystem that like yeah. that's still very important. Yeah. So, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's fine. But I feel like you mean. Uh, I'll have to go back and listen to Doc's presser, but I don't think he said anything like negative about mm-hmm. Jermichael Green's status. I feel like it would have been bad. He would have come out and already said like, oh, he's rolled out for tomorrow or I don't think he's likely to play. So I'll 
take that with you know a hopeful and doc is always very uh, close to the vest with his injury reports so unless oh, somebody yeah. specifically asked him about Jermichael, uh it's quite possible that he's just going to take that to the brush it over <laughs> and hopefully no one brings it up say so hopefully because again like Jermichael, where he's not going to be the reason the clippers win a game but him not being out there could be the reason the clippers lose a game because they're going to have to go to someone else on the bench and that could be disastrous based off who they go to exactly um, but all in all, I feel good about the way the Clippers were able to pull out that win. And I think that it's only going to motivate them to be more consistent going forward. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not good at the prediction thing. So we'll figure out how this goes. Going I'm, I'm just ready for the, uh, if the Clippers go up. If they, if they win the game tomorrow, my uh, flashbacks of the last time the Clippers were up three to one in a second round series are yeah. going to be hitting me full force. So We'll see. We'll, maybe it's we'll better to just happens. be tied two two and then not have those flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> and especially as long as they're not a uh, you know if it's three two and in going into game six, then the flashbacks are really going to be hitting hard. So we'll see. Hopefully the Clippers can again just one game at a time, winning and then set history by going to the conference finals, and then we have something else in our hands. All right. Well, that has been our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you are subscribed to the Clips Nation podcast on iTunes or Spotify to catch up on our shows whenever they happen. Thank you all for listening and go Clippers in game four.